Awesome. Listen, happy Father's Day to our dads and dads one day and all the men in the house. I just want to tell you happy Father's Day. Listen, uh, in particularly my dad's in the house and uh, I just want to say how blessed I feel to have a dad that um, took me skiing so many times growing up uh, to the Rocky Mountains and how blessed I was and, and a dad that loved me and loved to hang out. And um, I feel blessed because so many aren't. But we're going to talk about that at the end today. And we're going to give a challenge to the ones that aren't and don't feel that blessed. But I do love you, Pops. Shout out. And to all of you men in the church that are just good men that have kind of fathered me along the way. Uh, you're older than me and, and you're great men and you've kind of helped me along my journey. I'm grateful for you as well and for so many others that have gone before us. Listen, today in particular, my heart is full. It's, it, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say um, there is a heaviness in my heart, but it's a good heaviness, and so I hope that you'll feel this weight that I'm carrying uh, by the end of the service. But I just want to kind of get something off the table and kind of get us all on the same page as we start, because we're talking about honor. And um, this week, um, it kind of shook me up, and, and I had written this message out and um, just really felt God kind of just a small twist, just a little bit of a twist in my heart. And so this message is basically the same that it already was as it was written out or written out, excuse me, but there's a little bit of a change. And this is the change that I want to talk to you about. I just think that we should all be on the same page. And so some of you may leave a little bit frustrated with your pastor today because you might say, uh, I'm not sure I agree with him. And that's OK. I'm not asking everybody to agree with me. I think if you leave and you got questions and you're frustrated sometimes in certain areas, then that's good. That means God's working on you, and it's not about me, and it's not about me trying to work on you. But this is the area that I really felt heavy, and I didn't particularly share this in the first message. I've seen a lot of people on news organizations saying that the events in our state, in the lower part of the state, was a tragic event because it was about what happened in a church. And I find that particularly tragic myself. I, I hurt for those people that were killed and their families. But can we all be real? I'm just asking y'all to take off whatever you came in with and to lean in with me today and let's all be real. That was much more than just about a church. That was a specific target against a race of people. That was a racial hate-filled hate murder tirade. And it was directly against what honor really means. So, so let me just, I'm putting my cards on the table right here to start the message. That had a whole lot more to do with race than it did a church. But white people, we're not supposed to say that. We're supposed to talk about the church part. We're not supposed to talk about the race part. And then we're supposed to be frustrated because they don't think like us. And I think it's time that we all look at each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And even the ones that aren't brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ as human beings and say, you know what? Their life is as valuable as mine. And we can love. Thank you for one amen. Praise the Lord that one person thinks that every life is as valuable. To praise the Lord. All right. Let me just give you all the definition of honor. How about that? And I think this is huge because it kind of it definitely ties in. And this is why when I shifted, it was the same message. Because this is how I planned on starting the whole time. This is what honor means. Kavad that I have in my office that one of my brothers in the church made me the, an awesome plaque that I look at every single day. And T-May. And it means weight or worth or value. Now, we can say with our mouths, I honor you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I consider you worthy of honor. But it's looking at people. 
because of our relationship with Jesus Christ and we want to give him all honor and glory. And we look at people and we say, that person is worth all honor because I hold their value as weight or worthy or valuable. So I have something in my hand that I think y'all might want, right? If I was going to give this away right now, how many of y'all would raise your hand and say, I would love to have a C note? Some of y'all won't because you won't participate with me. But how many of y'all would like for me to give you a $100 bill? Thank you. Some people that have never participated just did, and I feel the Holy Ghost in the room. Praise the Lord. But what about this? What about this? All of y'all want this crispy, beautiful, and I do too. Isn't it nice? Praise the Lord. But what about this? What if I do this, and I just stomp on it, and I get dirt on it, and it's all crinkled up and dirty, and it doesn't quite look as nice as it used to. How many of y'all want it right now? Everybody still wants it. Why? Because as soon as I straighten that bad boy up, I can take it to the store, come on, and I can do what I want with it, or I can get some new J's, come on, baby, like, or whatever I want, right? Because it's still worth $100. Y'all are a fast group, and I feel really good. I, I have taught you well, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. And it's because it's the truth. It may look a little bit ragged and different and jacked up, And smell not quite as good because my big 14 got put on it, right? And I crinkled it up. But it's still worth exactly what it was before it was jacked up. If that's the case, then why do we look at human beings? And that one is crisp. That one just came off the printer. Man, that one is tight and that one looks good. That one is handsome or beautiful. That one over there, right? That one didn't take a bath this week. That one's not the same color that I am. That one, do you know what she did? Y'all listen to this. And as a result, I look at their weight, worth, and value, and I don't mean heaviness, I mean what I consider them to be worth. And I say, nah. You're worth value and weight and glory And so as a result of what I do for God, because you look the part and act the part, I'm going to honor you. But the rest of you that don't quite fit in the mold of what I'm trying to fit into, it's not going to work. Guys, this is for you, and I need every man in the room to lean in. Ladies, I promise you, you're not left out. But I need every man to lean in because here's the deal. I feel strongly that the reason for this is we have a generation of fatherless people. A generation of fatherless people where sometimes the father is actually in the home. But that's not what I mean. We have a generation of people that never feel weight and honor and self-worth from their own fathers. And there's something about a man that when we give honor, it elevates the room. When we give honor in our homes, it elevates the room. When we say, what can I do to help? It elevates the room and so often... When I meet with people or talk to people and I desperately want to help, my, my feeling that's deep in my soul that I don't know what to do about helping is, you don't want me to help you. You want me to fix something, but you don't want it as bad as I do, and I don't know what to do. Do you know why I believe that's the case in homes across America and in this room? It's because I don't think that you really want to feel worth and weight and value in the people. I think you want to feel that. So often we want to feel, and so we'll give a little bit, 
But we don't understand that God created us to give him all glory and all praise and all honor. In everything that we do, I'm to worship him with my life, with my actions, with my attitudes, with everything. And Jesus said this, you acknowledge me and honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And and so as a result, I'll honor my wife or my kids with my lips and some of you with my lips. But when my heart is far from God, I actually just want to receive your honor. And a verse that jacked me up that I'm going to use again in the next couple weeks this Proverbs 16, 33, humility comes before honor. And so many of us men, right? I'm the man. Just me, <laughs> no one else knows. That's what we want. I can't tell you how many times in my home I have been in such a bad situation because I have wanted respect and demanded respect and called it honor. They're not the same. And there's a mandate for both that's different. But I earn respect. I show myself approved and respect comes. But honor's how I have to begin the equation. And I do such a poor job so many times. So here's the deal, guys. I'm going to give you the end of the test before we begin. There is such a need for men in this country that will rise up and say, you know what, that might not be how everybody else is doing it. But we're going to change the culture and we're going to do something different than everybody else is because I believe that's God's way for his house. I believe that this is not God's only house, but this is the people that we worship with. And if we ever step up, dudes, if we ever step up, right, and we say, we will make a difference. We will love our wives and our kids and our mamas and daddies, and we will make a difference. We'll change the world. And I want to give you a couple verses this morning that I believe are so valuable And so on time for today's message. And this just leads in, so I need you to lean in with me. This just leans into where we're going the next couple weeks. And so if you miss it, you've got to watch online because I'm telling you, nothing, nothing, nothing God has done in my life in the past three years, four years, ten years has been like this. And it's because I realize how much I have failed in this area. Listen to what this says. Likewise, husbands. This is 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives... That's a good start, isn't it? Live with your wives in in an understanding way. Am I the only one that struggles with this? Like, here's my spiritual gift. I really think this is my spiritual gift. Maybe nobody else in here struggles with it, but I need somebody to talk to me if this is you. I'm really good at not understanding. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. It's somebody other than me. Like, I will point out, do you realize? And if every conversation starts with, do you realize? What about da-da-da-da-da? I don't want to have an understanding way. I don't understand. This doesn't say, husbands, thank the Lord Jesus, this is the truth, that you have to understand your wife or wives. You don't have to understand your husbands because you're not going to sometimes. Somebody needs to say amen, Amen. right? Because it just, (laughs) someone testify, right? It's, It's living in an understanding way. It's not trying to push down and get my way all the time and demanding that I'm the man. Woman, respect me. God called me to be the man of the household. And some of you scoff at that and say, there's no way that's the case. That's the case, right? Am I right? That's the case a lot of times. It says living in an understanding way, showing. Huh. I'll be dang. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now you need to know this. The actual translation from the original language means physically weaker vessel. I think a lot of times men read these verses and they go, <laughs> you see what I'm talking about, Pastor? They weaker. <laughs> I'm the spiritual man and they're beneath me. That is not what it means. 
It means that if you show off your guns and take them to the gun show, sun's out, guns out, I see you. Like, if that's what the case is right here, you are a little bit bigger than your wives for the most part. You know what I'm talking about? Some ladies, y'all can jack up your husbands, and I feel really bad for them, but we don't have to go there. I come in with that black eye like, I know what happened to y'all, but this is saying for the most part, you are physically stronger. They are physically weaker than you, but it is not lesser. Look, it is not looking and saying, no, that ain't worth that anymore. As a matter of fact, it goes on, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Other translations in the, not the English standard says they're joint heirs with Jesus, with you. Joint heirs, meaning co-equals. Your wife, men, this might help somebody. Maybe this is what you need to take away. It's not less than you. There is no one less than you. We were made the stronger physical being, but we were not made the better being. God made mankind. He did not make man better. He made us a being, man and female, male and female. He created them. And for so many of us, we look and say, well, I'm the man, so I'm better. I believe that that's why we have such a few amount of people serving in certain areas. We have one man faithfully serving in our kids, maybe two. And I believe it's because it's underneath us. And I don't do it, so I can call myself out. I do this quite often. But like, like and listen, we have some of y'all, y'all serve every single week. I'm not talking about the dudes that serve. I'm talking about the people that sit on the sidelines. And they're like, that's beneath me. It's not beneath anybody. And if you're not called to kids, and listen, let me just stop right here and just say, just praise the Lord. I got a three-year-old, and he's the coolest cat ever. Whew, you know what I mean? I'm not called to three-year-olds. Let me just say that, okay? But I love hanging out with the kids. I can't wait for our kids' camp this summer called Not Ashamed because I love being with them. Why? That's the next generation of the church. That's the generation that we can influence to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love being with them. I wish many times I could go in and act because I get to act whatever I want to act. I can be me with them. I can't quite give y'all all of me because I want to lose my mind sometimes and just cut up. So they're not beneath and I love doing it. That's, I digress. All right, here we go. But they're joint heirs with us. Everybody, but specifically in my home, they're joint heirs with us so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now that seems big to me. Am I the only one? My prayers are hindered when I consider myself above and they're below. And do you know the way that I do it oftentimes is I let my words dictate my honor. Because words create honor because words create culture. And so what I say is out of the overflow of the heart is what the Bible says. And oftentimes this is all it is. I need y'all to get this. Don't miss this. Honor always elevates and dishonor always decimates. Honor's reward is a better marriage and a better life. And it's not just tiptoeing through the tulips having a better life that way. It's changing the culture in my neighborhood because people can come to me and say, what is it about y'all, man? Where y'all love each other even in the worst of times, even when the worst things happen. Even when you're fighting and going nuts, y'all still honor each other and you don't put each other down in public. You know the times, and I know this just isn't me, you know the times where you get home, young people, and you feel like giving up? There's weight in what your daddy says, isn't there? different than anybody else. And for those of you that don't have daddies, you look for the certain people that you want to hear from. I'm not saying don't tell the truth because honor always tells the truth. Listen to this. 
but it's telling the truth in love to elevate them out of where they are and get them where they're going. Honor elevates and dishonor decimates. When my words, when what I say pushes down, and sometimes with my wife, when I'm dealing with my wife, all I have to do is just do this, and it cripples her. The weight of my words can just be a finger. It doesn't have to be a push, and it crushes her where she is. Why? Because I'm the stronger vessel physically. And she looks to me as the pastor of my home, not the pastor of Four Points Church when I'm in my house. And so this is what honor does. Honor uses my words, what I say, to build up, not tear down. How often do I use my words? I don't care if it's social media. Listen, this is bigger than just your home, but men, let's, let's just start with the home. Because in the end, I'm going to close with the fact that I believe the home is the issue. Not a government that can fix us, not anything else, but a home is the issue. How often do I use my words to build up, tear down? Ladies, don't think that you're getting off scot-free. How often do you use your words to tear down your husband, to tear down your man, to tear down your mom and dad? What would it look like? What would it look like if our words were constantly building up? And listen, this, is, this does not mean being honest. We absolutely should always be honest. We should be calculated how we're being honest in the Lord. And if when I'm honest, I want to prove a point, I'm just telling y'all right now, the point that I want to prove a point, I've probably leaped over honor and said, I no longer care about that. I just want to be right. If, if humility comes before honor, not my word, Solomon's words, that dude was the wisest man to ever live. I bet he was right on this. If humility comes before honor, I don't care about being right. Listen, when I stop caring about what you think because I love you enough to tell you the truth in love and honor to build you up out of where you are, I can love you. But as long as I care so much about what you think that I'll try to prove points to get people to love me, I can never have a culture of honor. I believe that's the problem in the home. I believe we have such an ideal that we want to be right that we never will stop and think, am I being right and crippling my wife? Am I crippling my kids in what I'm about to say? Because if so, shut your mouth, Mark. This is for me. Maybe it's for nobody else. And I feel like so often I just want to roundhouse kick myself and say, bro, did you hear what you just said? All you had to do was put this much on. And guys, I'm telling you, this next three weeks, I'm going to give you specific examples but it's every person in your life. I about got ahead of myself. I'm not going to. Here's how I think the whole family's encompassed. So ladies, if you felt lost just for a second, you're not here. Because this is what Colossians 3 says. If you've never read the book of Colossians, go home today. You can read it all in one day. I'm telling you, there is so much beauty of the gospel found in this small book. And it's because this is what Paul says in verse 18 of chapter 3. He says, wives, ladies, this is for you. Submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. What does that mean? Elevate him as the head of your household as God called him to be. Men, take this like you should. You're never supposed to call her out on that. That was never for you. That was never for you to say, I'm guilty. Maybe none of y'all are in the past week. Like, <laughs> I'm the head of the household, right? You're supposed to submit to me. No, that was for your wife. You're dishonoring her by what you say. That was between her and God. And so often we say you should submit to me. Why would someone want to submit to someone that's saying you should submit to me? <laughs> Goodness gracious, that's good. Someone should be talking to me right now. Like, that's, that's terrible. And then ladies, we do the same. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
Ephesians chapter 5 says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. Ladies, if you look at your husband and say, you're supposed to love me like Christ loved the church, you're doing the same thing. How are they supposed to serve and love you if you're constantly pushing down on them? The only time in scripture that we're giving a co-joint husband and wife situation is this one. Ephesians 5.21, submit yourselves one to another in love and honor for Jesus Christ. Saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Lifting each other up. That's it. Every other time it's, this is for me. This is for you. If I do my part and you do your part, we can have a fantastic marriage. If I do my part and you're not, that's between you and God. But I'm not supposed to call you out. Let me tell you who struggles with that. This guy. Why? Because it's not natural. Honor is not natural. Anyone that tells me, you know what? I just live a life of honor. It's awesome. I get up and I'm just living a life of honor. I'm excellent. Right? Nah, you know what I mean? Like, that's not real. Why? Because, because this is, ah, it's hard. Do not be harsh with your wives. Mm. Maybe it's just me that struggles with this. I'm going to hit that in just a second. And then children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. There's another verse in um, Ephesians chapter 6 that says, So your days will be long in the earth. Honor your father and mother. And then every time Paul lists a group of sins, y'all go, y'all go look at it. It's fascinating. Young people, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents. Ask yourself this question if you think this message isn't for you. When was the last time you went a week without talking to one of your friends about how stupid your parents are? I'm just saying God's promises seem really good, and if I want to live a long time, I can't do that. Because that is not honor. You can honor them to their face. God said this, not me. And your heart can be far from him. And that's what that means. The minute that I think that they're beneath me enough to talk bad about them, the gossip train, is the minute that I look at this $100 bill and say, nah, it's not worth what I thought it was. I'm, I'm not worried about that anymore. Here's what this word love means. This is big. This is big. I'm telling you. Agape is a word we've talked about. Agape is a word we talked about. And what it means is an unconditional love. But this word is agapeo, which is a, a similar word to agape, but it's even deeper. It means discriminating affection, which involves a choice, excuse me, involves choice and selection. Translation, on purpose, I choose to give all of me to you. I, I choose to be discriminate where I say, you know what, I don't care what they do. I'm for them. And I give esteem, meaning I lift up in every situation and I honor. Now, when you just read the word love, that means like, yeah, I should love. But that's a little deeper than love, isn't it? Like, that's a lot. Husbands, don't, don't be harsh with them. Do this with them. Well, this, this, this really puts a weight on me. Because so often what I do with my wife is the opposite of this. So often what I do with my kids is the opposite of this. Because then Paul goes on to continue, and this one's hard. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Provoke is, is, is an enemy of honor because it, it is the pressing down. And so often I get discipline and provoke, and I twist them because I want to be right, and I want my kids to respect me. Right, I'm the man. And listen, when I walk in a room, this is the truth, and I look at my kids, they're going to do it. And I'm not provoking them. But there is a fine line, men, that we have to walk that goes from the right way and God's way to pushing them under where they're scared to death and they don't feel that passionate 
compassionate love of their daddy and they go look for it somewhere else. Or they don't get the love from their father, men, young men. And so they go sow their wild oats because if my daddy's not going to love me, I'm going to get something. I'm going to get mine. So Lainey, um, her birthday was while we were at the beach on June the 12th. And we had like 47 birthday parties, it seemed like. But we actually had her birthday at the beach and we had this little thing planned and we had cake and she actually had a pie that she wanted. And it was awesome and she's got her presents out and it's ready to go and I'm watching um, basketball in, in the room. Dub Nation. And I was like, so we're going through everything and we're ready to go and Lainey starts crying. And I'm like, it's her freaking birthday. You know what I mean? Like why? There's nothing to be upset about. This is like a weight in my life right now. The thing that she was upset about was her daddy. Because she had dropped her iPad six plus months ago and broken the face of the iPad, the, the screen, and on the porch on her birthday, she did the same thing again. And she lost her mind. And she wasn't upset about her iPad, and I think she probably was to some extent. But she was upset because she knew her daddy could go from discipline and get right to anger just like that. And I did. I ruined my daughter's birthday. I'm very proud of this. I'm just letting y'all know. Like, this is my proudest moment of the last couple weeks. I lost my mind. Looking at her already upset, because I had said, if you do this again, you've got to be careful. I don't think my daughter went out with a case around her iPad that she loves dearly and went, I'm going to break it and see if daddy loses his mind. <laughs> I bet he will. She walks out and she drops it. She was trying to carry something else on the back porch of where we were staying on the little patio. Just how it fell, it just shattered the screen. And she lost it. And I didn't have to say anything. I think I said, are you serious? Are you serious? That's all you, are you serious? She was crushed. I hugged her, I kissed on her little face, baby, it's okay. She was crushed. I had an opportunity right then to pick her up and say, babe, I understand. We'll see. We're going to have to take some money from, you know, and explain it to her. Or I had an opportunity to crush her. And I chose to crush her. And it was because I didn't care about elevating my daughter or my wife who asked me not to do it. I cared about being right. And I was really just, I mean, like, I don't like this story, just so y'all are on the same page with me. But I realized when I read this verse, I was like, dang, that's the one I got to talk about. Because the truth of the matter is every single day I choose and make decisions of whether I will elevate or decimate with my words and with my actions. Listen to me. Anytime that I don't honor, it's because I am not humble before God. And I look at someone, including my children and my wife and every one of you and anyone in the world, and I say they're not really worth what they're really worth. And so as a result, I can speak down to them. There was a place for discipline, and I could have done it. She knew what she had done wrong, y'all. <laughs> she didn't need her daddy to crush her even farther. She was already crushed because she knew I, had dis I was going to be disappointed. And instead of picking her up and showing her the way, I buried her under my weight. And that is the opposite of honor, and that is the only other decision that we have. But this is what happens with honor, is it rises easiest when it falls first.
Men, we need a generation of dudes that begin to look and say, you know what? I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to love people even when they don't deserve it. I'm going to love in my home and I'm going to start doing the dishes. I'm going to start doing the things in my house that don't seem the part. And I'm going to let honor rise in my home because it elevates. It's the floating, the rising tide floats all boats. I want all boats in my home to be rising. And I don't have to be right. And I don't have to be the man. I want to be God's man. And it's hard. And maybe it's just me. I heard this story, and I think it's so practical. For the generation that we're in today, and I'm going to close it with this, y'all. I, I find this to be heavy. And in the week that we just had, I think it is so perfect. Can I get every guy in here, not to raise their hand, but anybody that is over like 45 years old to just lock in with me right now because I believe this is your calling on God's church. I do not believe that we should have apple picking for our senior adults. And I don't think that we should have trips to Gatlinburg. And I'm not upset with churches that want to do that, but I really think that excludes you from God's calling and you being the church. I believe this is your call. I believe this is your call to reach a, a generation that is out of God's will. I believe this is your call to a generation that is not fathered and doesn't know the Lord Jesus. And every man in here, 13-year-old men, 15-year-old men, and every lady in the room, this is your call. At Kruger National Park in South Africa, they had, they had an overrun amount of elephants, and they didn't know what to do with it. It's a wild game reserve in South Africa. It was several years ago. And they were like, we don't know what to do. So the best thing we can do is just ship them all over the country, South Africa, and go to different places where they can thrive, where the food is there and where they can have the land to roam. And they can, so, so let's move them. And they got these harnesses and they got helicopters. And I would have loved to have seen this, by the way. And they take them out. And they carried them over to different places. And what they found is the only thing they couldn't do was take the bulls. The bulls are the mature, humongous male elephants that when you're at the zoo, you're like, whatever you do, please don't drop the douche. You know what I mean? Because it is going to be a monster and I don't want to smell that. And they're the big, huge dudes. And everybody's seen them. And all of y'all know what I'm talking about. And they just stand out. They're bigger, even than the female adults. They're humongous. And they walk around and you can just tell in their, in their pride, in their group, that's the alpha. That's the man. And in a large group of elephants, there were several alphas. There were several bulls. And they were so big, they were breaking the straps, breaking the harnesses. And they said, we'll just leave them here. Those young men, they'll rise up to a generation of leaders. They'll rise up to a generation of alphas. What they failed to calculate is what happens to men at a certain age when they're not fathered. And that includes elephants. There's this thing that they hit that's much like a deer's rut called a must spelled different but it's pronounced the same and it's when their testosterone levels hit high and they begin to see like ooh, that's a different looking female than I've ever seen before I like what I see and they just lose their minds does that sound like anybody y'all know <laughs> come on and they don't have anybody fathering over them anymore and so they just do whatever they want to do and here was the result I want to show you a picture here was the result they started killing white rhinoceroses I'm not sure this is the exact picture of what was taking place, but it's a beautiful picture of what was, taking, what was taking place at the time. And they were just bulling over. They were killing animals. They were killing wildlife, plants. They were destroying houses. 
They were killing stuff. It was awful. It was a control problem that they had nothing you can do. And listen, here's the deal. When you got a control problem with small animals, you can just like tranquilize them or figure it out. These are big animals. Are y'all with me? Like this is a problem. And the people that were responsible for shipping them over, they were like, we've got to try something. It's like a last ditch effort. We got to do something about this. And so here's what they did. They doubled the size of the harnesses in Kruger. And they said, we're just going to take some of these bulls and we're going to ship them out. We don't know if this will work or not, but let's ship them out to the place where they are and let's see if it works. And so they did. They, they flew them out to the exact places that they had dropped the other elephants. And to their amazement, within six months, all of this chaos went away. And their only explanation that they can make, and to this day you can read about it, of elephants and men, if you Google that, you can read this exact story. Is this because they began to be fathered, even if it wasn't their biological elephant father, they were being fathered because a male, strong elephant came in the room and said, hang on, bro, this isn't how you do it. This isn't how you love your wife. This isn't how you love your kids. This isn't how you treat your mama. This isn't how you treat other animals. And I don't know how they talk, but I like to think that that's something like it happened. And here's where my mind went when I look at this picture. This week, we had a young male who for all intents and purposes was fatherless, who went into a church of African Americans and out of sheer hate, shot nine people, reloading his gun five times to make sure that every single one of them were dead. And people would say, yeah, but he had made his mind up. He was hopeless. A kid, have you read the stuff that they said about him? He was an idiot. I believe he was an orphan, spiritually speaking. I just, I just wonder how many kids like that are sitting right out there. But we look at them and say, man, they live in a park that I don't live in. And they look and smell like I don't smell. That kid deserves the death penalty. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. He deserves punishment. But I wonder what would happen on the front end if some bulls would have stepped up and said, that's a fatherless nation. I wonder what would happen if the church stopped hating people, man, because of how they look. And consider the one that loves them and made them in the image of God and calls them son or daughter when they trust them as Savior. There is not one human being, I want y'all to hear this, on this planet that is unworthy of my honor because my heavenly father made them. It is time for us to come together and be more. It is time for us to stop thinking more of ourselves. It is time, men, for us to step up in our homes and be the men that God called us to be and begin to be the pastor of our homes. It is time, men, that are older in this house for you to begin to be the bulls in this house and help father them. And sometimes that's hard conversations, but they're private, never intending to bury them, but always tending to elevate. 
here's the hope that I have. Is any time that I screw up, any time that I feel hopeless, and for all of you that feel fatherless because you are, because you don't have a relationship with your daddy, Jesus was speaking with his disciples at the end of his life, right before he was going to die. And he had just introduced what the Holy Spirit's works were going to be in John chapter 14. And it's a beautiful passage. And this is how he described our relationship because we are not Jews. Listen to this carefully. Romans chapter 11 says that I'm adopted into the faith, that I am, that I am part, I'm grafted into the faith of Jesus Christ. And as a result, I'm an orphan that has been adopted as a son or daughter of the Most High. Hmm. There's not an excuse for anybody in this room because Jesus said, I will leave my Holy Spirit with you and I will not leave you as orphans. No matter how far you feel or you don't know where to go. Pastor, I don't have a father. I don't know what to do. You do. He'll never leave you. I will come to you. All of you that feel like you don't like Father's Day because you never had a father to celebrate. There's a God that loves you so much more than any human being could ever love you. Why do I want to be a great daddy? Because I want them to know the one that will give them their true identity in Christ. I don't care what Laney and Haston end up being. Hear this. I want them to know God. There is a generation out there that need a daddy, a bull, a man, and ladies. They need you to mother them because they are orphans into this house. But the miracle happens out there, not in here so many times. And it's gonna take us as a generation to say, you know what, here's the deal. We can have the right answer and say it into a microphone. We can have the right answer and say it on social media, but until we love people enough to look at them and say, I love you because God loved me first. We're not going to change anything. We're going to be a group that meets and gathers and leaves and we're the same. Guys, the hope that I have today is not that I can stand up here with shoes on and that some of y'all think are crazy and I can speak and Travis can play the keys with me and we can sound good and the band can be awesome. The hope that I have is no matter what happens, I will never be left as an orphan. He will always come back. He's always with me and he goes before me and he's got my back. And in everything, I have a father that loves me so much more than I can ask or imagine because he sent Jesus to take on death and hell and he took the keys away and gave me life in his name. Why should I do these things, Pastor? Why should I elevate my home? Why should he die the worst death ever to elevate you? I can't answer the first or the second question, but I can answer the first because of the second one. In all things, do it out of an overflow of what God has done in your heart and you'll change the world. Listen to me carefully, friends. There's so much ability inside of you in the Lord Jesus, but it is not until we stand as sons and daughters of the King that will change the culture and live a culture of honor. All of you can do it. I believe in every one of you because I believe in the one that said he would never leave me as an orphan. 
And it is time for some of you to stand up and say, I'm tired of being an orphan and I want Jesus to save me. Will you bow your head? If that's you this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet right now and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I feel lost and I'm an orphan. I'm alone. I know that there's people in this room right now that you are hopeless and you hate Father's Day. There's a God that loves you and he wants to give you life in his name. If that is you right now, stand to your feet. Be bold enough to say, that's what I want. Thank you, brother. Who else? Stand to your feet and say, that's what I want. That's what I want. Who else? Come on, let's celebrate, church, that two people have just stood up and said, I'm not worried about anything else. I don't care. I'm forsaking everything else that's taking place and I want life in his name. You guys can be seated. I'm going to be very brief. If you're going to get baptized right now, and if you just got saved, we will baptize you right now because all this is is declaring that I was dead and I'm alive. And then all through Acts, they got baptized on the same day. And I think it's awesome. And we got clothes for you. You go back right now and we'll do it. Then there's some of you in this room. Look right here. There's some of you in this room that have never been baptized. And that's your first step in the Lord Jesus. You need to do it right now. You need to get up right where you're seated. And we got several that are already going to get baptized that are getting up right now. I want you to just get up and go back to next steps and say, that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to get baptized because I want the world to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm taking my first step in the Lord Jesus. How about everybody else? Look at me, men. We desperately need a generation of men to step up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to elevate each other. And we're going to be bull elephants that help people that are far from God that may not look the part, but they're God's people that he made and loves dearly. Guys, I'm telling you, we're going to change the world. Let's stand and sing this song that is so perfect. It is well. It is well. Through the storm, it is well. Y'all stand with us.